Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for your calling, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor, for those kind words. I know it has been. I felt for me it's been a long time coming. I know for my mother and pastor it's even a longer time coming. <laughs> so when I told pastor I want to go get my license, first thing he said was, oh, finally, brother. <laughs> I was like, finally? What are you talking about? He's like, I've seen this gifting in you for a long time, and I want to make sure, but I couldn't tell you what you needed to do. I couldn't tell you you were called to preach. No, you had to hear a call from God. You had to have that so that you can hold on to it in the dark times that says, you know what? The man may say this is what you need to do, but if God's with you, that's what you need to know. That's what you can bank on and hold on to. So I'm thankful for a pastor and for a mother that had prayers and, and, and raised us up. I give honor to our pastor. By the way, I, I told him, I told the district board this, we have the best pastor. No offense to any other pastor that's out there. Love them all. But we have the best pastor. So <laughs> love my pastor. Love the, the time and effort that he's put into to, uh, into the education and really push that out. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to our word. Let's gonna turn to uh, Psalms. Book of Psalms, chapter 6. in the house today. Amen, amen. We're going to be reading Psalms chapter 6, verses. We're going to be reading 1 through 10, and we'll be seated here. It says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. Suddenly. This morning, I want to talk just for a few minutes. I want to encourage someone in the house here today. I want to pray for just, I want to pray over the service. The, the best title of my message is Be Bold in Your Brokenness. Be bold in your brokenness. Let's go for the Lord in prayer here today. Heavenly Father, I pray for the rest of this service, Lord. I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay, this vessel, Lord, that submitted itself to you. I pray that these words that, it, that you've given us, Lord Jesus, in, in your holy word, that it can convict the hearts and it can, it can lift up the individuals here that need to hear your word, that need an encouraging word, Lord, to know that even in their brokenness, we can still have a confidence and a sureness and a boldness to come before your throne. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in this place, Lord Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And let the church say amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. As he said, seated physically, not spiritually. Amen. Stay with me. <laughs> amen. Be bold in your brokenness. At the first glance, this statement, when I was thinking for a title of, of what I was going to talk about, at first glance, this statement seems kind of 
if like an impossibility, if you really think about it. Just by looking at the very definition of these words, it seems that it would be an actual contradiction to one another. The definition of bold, it means a person, an action, or an idea showing uh, an ability to take risks or confident, courageous. Some of the synonyms were in the, the, the dictionary, assured, uh, undaunted, or unafraid. While on the other end of the spectrum, we have brokenness. Brokenness means a state of strong emotional pain that stops someone from living a normal life or a healthy life. It also means a condition in which something is badly damaged and unable to continue or work correctly. Boldness and brokenness. Assured, undaunted, unafraid versus an emotional, and I would even throw in there physical, a mental, or even spiritual pain that we can go through in our lives. Lucky for us, we have several examples that are in the Bible that display these very principles. And in these examples, I want to kind of dig into and see what the Word has for us here this morning. In our opening text, we read this psalm is from David. And let me just say, if, if Jeremiah is considered the weeping prophet, it is my humble opinion that David is the weeping king. That's, that's what he is in my mind. Because in the Psalms that you read, you see the rejoicing. You see the praise. You see the, the adoration to God. But there, there are Psalms like Psalm 6 where you see the pain. You see the anguish. You see the heartbreak that, that he felt at times. And, and Psalm 6 is one of these times. There's a whole bunch of them. Go through them. You can find one for every day. Every mood that you're in, you can find a psalm that'll speak to your situation. Amen? So when I read through the Word, I try to do a psalm a day because a psalm, no matter what I'm going through, one of those psalms will speak to me. Amen? In the first seven verses of this, we see that in his brokenness, he's crying out to the Lord. In verses 1 and 2, we see that he cries out for God's mercy for his sins. He prays for healing in the sickness of his body. It says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me, chasten me in thy hot displeasure. I love the way that David, uh, he reads this. I love the way that the language that he uses. He says, notice he doesn't say in here, don't rebuke me. He doesn't say, don't chasten me. I don't want that, Lord. That's what our flesh would want, amen. <laughs> That's what our, our flesh is. No, I don't want that. Don't, don't rebuke me, Lord. Don't, I didn't do anything wrong, right? No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, please don't do it in the midst of your anger. Don't do it in the middle. I know I messed up, Lord. I know I did something wrong, but it, now that you just heard about it, don't take your punishment out in that, Lord God. Please save me, Lord. It's like, Brother Corey, if you're doing a, you're a kid and uh, your parents, you did something wrong, you didn't want them really to get that pleasure in the moment, the heat of the moment that they found out about it. Because that knee-jerk reaction, it may hurt very much. That backhand just goes a little quicker than what you expect. Sometimes you just may, why don't we take a breath? Why don't we think about it? Sometimes if they think about it, it's going to be even worse, though, because they come up with some interesting things. <laughs> but in the midst of your anger, Lord, don't rebuke me in the midst of your anger, oh, Lord God. But I know that I need the rebuke because David has sinned. Anyone that's read the Bible knows David had some issues. David was not a perfect man, but David was in the lineage of Jesus. <laughs> God was willing to, he was willing to put his life on the line and say, God, you know, I've messed up, but please don't rebuke me in thy anger. David, David knew that the Lord was upset with him because of his sin. In verse 2, he says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me for my bones are vexed. 
My bones are vexed. His bones and flesh were touched with infirmity. Even though David was a king, he was still sick and he was still pained. The crown that he wore, the position that he held, it didn't keep him from the calamities that affect human life. Amen? It's just like the rest of us. He was human. He felt pain. He was subject to those illnesses. Though David was a good man while flawed at times, he was a stout man, neither of these attributes could keep him from the health, from keep him in good health, I should say. We should take some comfort this morning as well, though, to know that pain isn't a 21st century thing. Well, what we're feeling this morning, what the struggles that we're going through in our lives, we're not the first one to face them. We're even not the first Christians to face them. Others have come before us, and they have made their way through it. Ever since Adam and Eve ate the fruit, sickness and pain became a reality of human life. And some of us have to face it more than others. But it doesn't matter. It's not a, it's not a, a talk on your character. It doesn't matter how spiritual or unspiritual you are. It doesn't matter how rich or how poor that you are. It doesn't matter if you look like Brad Pitt or if you look like Quasimodo from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. It doesn't matter. Amen? Matt, Jesus said on his Sermon on the Mount, he said on Matthew 5.45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust. Sometimes it's easy to look around and say, God, I'm a Christian. I'm your child. I love you. I've served you many, many, many years. So why am I in my brokenness? Why am I here, Lord? Just know we're not the only ones that have gone through that. David felt that. He knows what you're going through. In verses 3 through 5, we see his cry for deliverance. We see his internal pain as well. He says, my soul is sore vexed. Not just his bones now. Now my soul is sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Let's be honest. How many of you in this house have ever prayed that prayer before? Oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, how long? Is this a daily thing? Is this going to be over next week? Is next year going to bring me out of this brokenness? Oh, Lord, how long? So not only were his bones vexed, but his soul was as well. He cried for deliverance from the mental anguish brought on by his pain and by his sin. He says, return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there are no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? <laughs> Lord, if I'm dead, how can I remember all the wonderful blessings that you gave me? If you, if you kill me off, Lord, how can, I, how can I give you thanks from the grave when my body is rotting in the ground? Seems like a good, you know, tactic to try to use with the Lord. Lord, if you kill me, I can't praise you anymore. So, but we know here today to be absent from here is to be present with the Lord. So we can know even though we walk through our brokenness, we know that if we're taken out from it, hey, that's just one more day I'm closer to heaven. <laughs> that's one more day I'm closer to what the Lord has for me. Amen. So verse finally, verse 6 and 7, he says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all my, all my enemies. He's willing to pour out his heart before the Lord. Lord, church, can I tell you, it's okay to cry before the Lord. 
Some people want to say, you know, Lord, I'm just going to hold on to this. I'm going to be so staunch and so brave. No. The brokenness and contrite heart is what God looks for. Sometimes when we're going through things, it's all that we can do is to cry out before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord, in my situation. I need you in my brokenness. We can cry out before the Lord. We can make our couch wet with tears, just as David said as well. So not only is he dealing with physical pain in his body, the mental anguish, the guilt of his sin, but we also know that he has enemies round about that would like nothing more than to see him dead. They would want to kill his life in an instant. Now, I know this is one small difference I think that we as a church can take separate from David. Is that at least speaking for myself, I don't know, uh, personally have the kind of enemies like a king would that would want to try to come and, and take my life. Because you take the king of uh, the life of a king, you're going to have power. There's some things that come along with it. However, however, this is not to say that the church, that we don't have enemies in this present world. That is not to say that at all. And I know that word enemies can be, can be charged. It can, it can be harsh. So I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear on this. By enemies, I mean those that would openly and actively oppose you, specifically as a Christian or even all Christians in general, that want to see you suffer. They want to take active pains to see you fail. Mm, I'm not saying that every person that you disagrees with you is your enemy. You hear me? <laughs> I'm not, we're not saying that. We're saying that there are those in the world that because you call yourself a Christian want to see hurt done to you. That you want to, because you hold on to something, they want to see you fall. Thanks to the lovely advancements in technology, the attacks can come in public, very public, or they can be done in private. They can be done anonymously, or they can show their face and tell it to you face to face. This is why, church, we have to be prayed up and sensitive to the Spirit so that when we are not uh, fooled for a wolf in sheep's clothing, we have to be prayed up so that when we have people that come against us, we can say, mm -mm, there's a check in my spirit. I feel something. This person doesn't have good for me. They don't have some, some good for my life. I, I feel something in the Lord here. We're still called to love them. We're still called to have compassion to them. But that doesn't mean we have to let them in our life and wreak havoc. That is not what that means. We still call them to Jesus. We still show them Jesus. But we have to have that assurity that says, you know what? I'm okay there. So by looking at verses, verses 1 through 7, said all that to say, I think we could hopefully be all in agreement that David was in a place of brokenness. And probably in some uh, aspect of his brokenness, whether it be physical pain, mental pain, uh, the, the, the anguish of guilt of sin, we can most likely identify with some part of his brokenness because all of us will experience it at some point or another. But something happens here. <laughs> if we look, something happens between verse 7 and verse 8. In verses 1 through 7, he's very vulnerable and crying out to the Lord and, and, and talking about the pain in his body. I'll mention this, the mental anguish, everything, and, and the, the enemies that he has. But in verse 8, he turns towards his situation and he speaks with boldness. 
We put up verse 8, 8 through 10. He says, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. He didn't say the Lord might hear the weeping. He didn't say that the Lord could hear my weeping. No, he says the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Verse 9, he says, the Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed <laughs> because let them return and be ashamed suddenly. See, this boldness that he had in his attitude, this is what he chooses to say. As I mentioned, he says he hath does it. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. See, when David was in his brokenness, when he was in this hurt that was all around him, he had a boldness that says, yes, I know I have troubles. Yes, I know I'm in the midst of this, and I'm going to cry out to the Lord. I'm going to let him know my needs. I'm going to let him know where I am. But my enemies, you better watch out <laughs> because my God heard my prayer. My God knows the situation that he's in, and if he heard me, He's going to be able to come after you. It's like saying, my dad is bigger than your dad. My dad can beat up your dad. My God, capital G, is bigger than the God, little g, that you serve. That's what he's going after here. He says, I know that he watches over me. I know that if God hears my supplication, he can hear my situation. He can touch it. So I said, it's like going after, tell the bullies, you know what? When I tell my dad, ooh, you're in trouble. Devil, you better watch your back. <laughs> you better watch your back because the Lord hath heard my weeping. That's the kind of boldness that I'm here today that we need to maintain in our lives. Like David said, the Lord heard my cries, but my trust is in him. My trust is in the Lord because you know why? Because God's bigger than my circumstances. God's bigger than my financial problems. Brother Marty, God's bigger than COVID. God is bigger, Sister Andrew is bigger than a black widow spy, right? Amen. He's bigger than those situations that you find yourself in. But when we're in those situations, sometimes it's so hard to see that. That's why we have to have boldness in our brokenness. Have boldness in our brokenness that says, you know what? My God is bigger. My God is better than what I'm facing. We know that David believed this as well because this isn't the only psalm he talked about this. <laughs> he wrote many a psalms, as I mentioned earlier. Psalms 34, 17 through 18 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as of a contrite spirit. Oh, hallelujah. He said, the righteous cry and the Lord hears. It means if you're a child of God here today, you have a Lord that loves you. If you're a child of God here today, he hears your cries and he draws near to those that are of a broken heart and of a contrite spirit. He can use brokenness. He can use this brokenness and come out on the other side. He's the same one that wrote Psalms 30 and 5. Read this when we put it back up there. If we can get it up. I don't take a drink while we do that. Amen. Read this with me. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor 
is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, somebody shout joy. Joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning. Whatever your brokenness is, it's not going to last always. It's not going to be there for a long time because you know what? Joy cometh in the morning. Weeping may dure for a night. It may last for a couple nights. It may last for longer than what you want. But joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning. This boldness that David had, these were not suggestions. <laughs> these were not possibilities. These were assured foundational facts that he's speaking here. The Lord will hear my prayers. The Lord will come. Joy will come in the morning. This boldness that he has is what we need in the 21st century church. Amen. God never changes, and neither does his word. If his word was the same for David, it's the same for you and me this morning. I'm telling you, it's not just an old book that talked about prophets and kings and all that. No, it's an application for our lives here today, and it's something that we can grab from it. Have boldness in the brokenness. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The other example I want to bring before you this morning is about <clears throat> the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this story, but there may be some that are not. So we're going to look at it together in Mark 5, verse 25 through 34. We're going to read through it here. It says, And a certain woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, had suffering of many things of many physicians, not just one or two. She got many second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth opinions. And spent all that she had. It was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. How'd you like to spend all that money just to find out that you're not getting any better. You're actually getting worse after all the money that you spend on the doctors. They're supposed to know what to do. Amen? Supposed to fix the thing right the first time. Amen, Brother Chuck? <laughs> Come on now. When she heard Jesus... She came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may just touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. She didn't say, I might be. She didn't say, well, it'd be great if. No, she said, I shall be made whole. Straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, he turned to the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging them, and hast thou who touched me? He looked round about her to see that she had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what she had done, came and fell down before him and told him the truth. He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. See, it's easy to read this story, and I'm sure we've heard it many a times, but <clears throat> it's easy to read it, and in our mind's eye, just see a sick woman that was desperate and wanted to get a healing, which, that is what it is. Don't, don't misunderstand. That is what it is. But if you take the culture and the laws of the time that this was, it paints a more, a more vivid and a more intricate picture than just desperation. 
You see, during this time, let's just be real here, they did not have feminine products or expensive perfumes that could mask the smells or the odor of being an unclean woman. I can only imagine the looks and the side eyes that she got from people as she walked by. I imagine her just being overlooked, being shunned, being invisible as if she wasn't even there. She's not a person that people wanted to be around. If you ever read Leviticus, which one of the books where well-intended bread programs go to die. <laughs> For those of you that know what a bread program is, it's, just, it's, a, it's a, a program offered by the UPCI where it helps you read through the Bible in a year, and you read a little bit every day. And sometimes when you get to Leviticus, you got to push a little harder because you get through the wonderful stories of Genesis and Exodus, and then you get to a lot of the rules in Leviticus. You're like, ooh, okay, Lord. But it's helpful because of things like this. <laughs> If you read Leviticus, there's a lot of Jewish laws surrounding blood. And there are many of them. I'm not going to get them all to this morning. But suffice it to say, they're not supposed to touch it because it would make them unclean and there would be rituals that they would have to perform to go and purify themselves. So this very situation is actually covered in Leviticus. It says, Leviticus 15, 25 through 27. It says, And if a woman have an issue of blood many days out of the time of her separation... Or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Every bread there, bed thereon she lieth all the days of her issue shall be unto her as the bed of her separation. And whosoever she sitteth upon shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her separation. And whosoever toucheth those things shall be unclean and wash his clothes and bathe himself in the water and be unclean until the evening. Unclean, unclean, unclean. That's what this woman faced on a daily basis. This is what this woman lived with. She didn't just suffer from a chronic physical condition for 12 years of her life, but she endured and experienced a broken heart and a broken spirit. Suffering way beyond the physical. It wasn't just, I have this, uh, this, this pain in my body, I need it healed. No, she had years of trauma in her life. She must have faced social rejection, alienation, disapproval, loneliness, sadness, grief, hopelessness, dejection, and low self-esteem. She had all of this bundled up inside of her. I say all that to say because this is what brokenness can feel like. This is what it can feel like. You may be sitting here this morning saying, yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> I can relate to part of that. And I want to encourage you this morning that just because you may be broken in this place does not make you any less valuable. It does not make you any less valuable in the eyes of God or in the eyes of man. It does not make you valuable. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And it's what the enemy would want to use to get into your head to make you feel absolutely worthless. Don't entertain those thoughts this morning. You hear me? Do not entertain those thoughts this morning. If you're in a place where you say, I feel broken inside, I feel there's something going on, and I don't feel valuable, I'm here to tell you, you matter this morning. You matter this morning. You matter to this church. You matter to God. You matter. It's something that doesn't get said that often, Pastor. 
It really does. As the days and days go on, it's more selfish on, focus on me, me, me. We don't think about others. So you know what? You know what? You matter. And I matter. But it's something that needs to get said more and more. So having explored this woman's suffering, having explored looking at the, the issues that she had to go through, we can see clearly now what kind of boldness she must have had to approach Jesus. It's not just out of desperation, and it was desperation, don't get me wrong. But there would have to be a boldness to press through to get through. First of all, there was a large crowd surrounding Jesus. It wasn't just him off by himself. We know there's a mass of people because verse 27, it says, she came in the press behind, meaning there was a crowd around him, and she had to get through and press through the back to be able to get to him. Also, when she touches Jesus, he responds with, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples reply, and quite sarcastically, I might add, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? Bible doesn't say, but I think it was Peter. Just saying. That seems like a Peter thing. I love him, but telling you. But there would have been a large multitude that was around him, and you'd have to get through that to touch Jesus. She had to touch someone, which is something she has not been allowed to do the majority of her life. She has had to go against her reality. She had to go against her circumstance. She had to go against what she's being told. You're unclean. You're unclean. You can't touch me. You can't come to the temple. She had to go through all of that to press through to Jesus that says, I know if I could just touch the hem of his garments, if I could just get a hold of Jesus, I can be made whole. I can be made clean if I can just get to the Savior, if I can just get to my Lord. Hallelujah. For someone who had social rejection, who had alienation, the general knowledge that people didn't want her around, she had to fight against it. She could have, she had options. She could have just waited until Jesus was alone and tried to approach him carefully and be like, sir, sir. First of all, trying to find Jesus alone would have been difficult in of itself. He had to run away to try to get from people because they just thronged him. Because they saw the Savior. So she could have. She could have done that. She could have watched from a distance and sat back and said, well, uh, let's see if I can find someone to go talk to Jesus. Hey, can you, you think you could go talk to him, tell him to, to come over here? Could she could have sat. She could have waited. She could have sat from the distance. But no. <laughs> Instead, she stepped out in boldness and in faith. And as I said, frankly, desperation. And said, if I can just get close enough to touch him, I can be healed. You see, this example demonstrates the fact of what you do in your place of brokenness is more important than the circumstances that got you there. Oh, come on, church. You hear me this morning. If you remember anything out of this service, remember this. What you choose to do in your brokenness is more important than anything leading up to what got you in that situation. 
You know why? Because it may have been or may not have been your circumstances by your own fault that got you to that place. It may have been. You may have made some mistakes. We do as humans. But it also may say some things happen to us. But it doesn't matter what led you to your brokenness. What matters is what you do when you're in it. It matters what you do, the mindset, as you walk through it. It matters to say, Lord, I'm going to have a boldness. I'm going to have, you know what? I know what the Lord can do. I'm walking in faith. I'm stepping out in faith because I don't know what this brokenness is going to do. But you know what? I know God can. Can handle it. I know God can handle it. Have bro have boldness in our brokenness. It's not a contradiction. It's something that we must have in our lives. We have a choice today as well. Going from this forward, you've heard the word. You can't unhear them anymore. I'm sorry. You'll probably you maybe forget them, but that's okay. But you can't unhear them. <laughs> we can we have a choice as well in our lives, here and going forward. We can try to choose and fix things ourselves. By the groans, I think you understand that may not be the best option. Because what we do with our own hands, we do with our own knowledge. And no matter how smart, no matter how many degrees, no matter how many licenses you may have, we are still human, and we don't know what we don't know. You know who knows what we don't know? God knows what we don't know. That's why it's better to put it in his hands. We can try to fix it ourselves. We can try to, we can choose to, I should say, sit and stew about the past and think about it and complain and criticize like what Pastor was talking about on Wednesday night. But all that does is invite that spirit of negativity and criticality and bitterness inside of you. And that bitterness is what will destroy you from the inside out. Because if you ever met someone that they're so negative, every single thing is nothing is good, everything is bad. It's like you weren't always like this. There are things that led to that point, but it eats you from the inside that you don't even realize who you are anymore. Till someone says, do you ever see anything positive? You're like, what are you talking about? I'm just like, you are negative all the time. But it's because they've let their circumstances dictate what their actions are going to be in their brokenness. They've let it dictate and said, you know what? I'm going to be here. Or I'm going to act like I'm here as well. I can't believe these things are happening to me. And then all that gets spewed on everybody else. So we can choose to sit and stew. Again, I don't recommend that. <laughs> but we know what we can be like David. We can be like the woman with the issue of blood. And have boldness in our brokenness that says, Lord, I know you hear my prayers. I know you hear the cries of your children. And I'm going to continue praying and moving forward. We could also be quickly, it's not in my notes, we could also be like Job. Job knew or knew about brokenness. <laughs> and in Job, one of the things that he says, though yet he slay me, still will I follow him. Even if I'm in this brokenness, God forbid, for the rest of my life, 
I am going to follow after him. I am still going to trust in him because it does, the option is I can turn my back on him and try to deal with it on my own or I can walk with boldness in it. And I would rather be in a trial with God on my side than be in a trial with my back turned against him. Because only he can give the comfort that the world can't give. Can we stand this morning? We have a choice. Can our musicians and our praise singers come as well? I'm wrapping up here. Finally, brethren. <laughs> Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Last night, I, uh, <clears throat> I asked my beautiful wife, if she had any ideas of, of a song that maybe we could use for, for altar call, because she's amazing at that. If you're going through anything in your life and you need a song, she's like the human jukebox over here that knows. Gets the spiritual jukebox, let me say, because that's not jukebox. You get to pick the song. Spiritual one, they know a song that can minister to you as well. She's good at that. She's great at that. Love her. <laughs> Amen. The song that she picked out, though, it encompasses... Everything, though, that I've been trying to get through this message. The chorus goes simply like this. It says, when I walk through the waters, <laughs> I won't be overcome. When I go through the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way so I am not afraid. I have that boldness, remember, unafraid, assuredness unafraid. When I am in the fire, I will not feel the flame. I'll stand before the giant declaring victory. My God will make a way so I am not afraid. Hallelujah. Church, this is the mindset that we need to maintain. This is the mindset that I'm talking about this morning when I'm saying having boldness in your brokenness. It says, even though I walk through the waters, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to be overcome. Those are not going to drown me. I am not afraid. Hallelujah. So this morning, I offer the invitation up to you this morning. If you this message has resonated with you, if you felt that there's something that's in your spirit that says, Lord, I want to be bold like that. I want to be bold like David. That says, Lord, I know you hear my cries. You want to be bold in declaring that you're not afraid or that you are tired of being afraid. <laughs> I do invite you to come to this altar this morning. All that that is doing is just being a step of faith is all that is. It's taking a step that says, Lord, I'm not going to sit in my current situation. I'm going to walk in faith that says, Lord, I'm going to call out to you. Hallelujah. We have ministers that are willing to pray with you. But also, if you're nervous, <laughs> grab the person next to you and say, come on, let's go pray before the Lord this morning. But I've come to declare to someone this morning that you need to have boldness in your brokenness. And if you have that in your spirit, we have a God this morning that can speak into your situation. We have a God this morning that can uplift you and encourage you along your way. We have a God that hears the cries of his children. 
So as we sing this song, I invite you to come. I invite you to lift your hands. Let's pray to the Lord this morning. Let's pray that he has that boldness inside of us. Would you come this morning? Would you come?